This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GAA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and we have a great show lined up for you today as we preview the All-Ireland football final between Dublin and Tyrone. Joining me to discuss the big game is Dunica Boyle of the Irish Independent, Conor McKeown of the Herald and former Monaghan midfielder Dick Clerken. And Dunica, it is All-Ireland football final week and I'm not going to guess your age but I know you've maybe covered a good few of them at this stage. Is this maybe the most subdued build-up you've come across? Because there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of people excited about the game. Uh, yeah, yeah, and by some way as well. Um, maybe there's some comparisons with uh, Kilkenny when they were at the top of uh, their game as well and they were uh, being so dominant in hurling that maybe there was some that took a little while to get it going. But I think there's a couple of things. I think obviously Dublin being 1-6 to six and 1-7 to seven in places. I think the fact that what they did to Tyrone last year in the semi-final and people are very aware that and very uh, conscious that maybe that could happen again and then throw in the fact that we've had a, a crazy calendar like where we haven't have really had time to digest an awful lot of stuff that has happened this summer and uh, Harlan's only over and we're kind of coming into it again and as well as that it's been really low key so there's been nothing um, barred a Conor McKenna rumour coming back from the AFL there hasn't been a whole lot to get people fired up about it so yeah no, it's, it's definitely very low key yeah, on a national level, certainly, I think Donica touched on the points there. Connor, obviously, you know, with the Herald, you'd be kind of focusing a lot on Dublin. What's it like on a local level? It doesn't appear to be catching the imagination, even though they are going for four in a row. No, it doesn't seem to be. It's partly, I think, got to do with the, the opposition. Like, there was a time when Tyrone would be almost the biggest draw for Dublin fans because there was a weariness and sometimes probably even a fear of them um, because of what happened when they played in those big games in 05 and 08. Um, but Tyrone don't represent that to Dublin anymore. Dublin kind of exploded the Tyrone complex that they had in 2010, 2011. And, you know, particularly then last summer and even the game in Oma, like Dublin, you know, they, they ran into a bit of bother late on. But I just don't think there's the same, I suppose, trepidation, you know. Um, so, like, unless you have... I suppose, a strong sense that you might not win the game. It's hard to have very strong emotions, I think, for people about the game. But just as regards the, the lowest key build-up, I still think Cork and Down in 2010 was the lowest key major match I think I've ever built up to, let alone All-Ireland yeah, Finals. I can't even remember the build-up. We maybe yeah. I've knocked it out of my head. And you know, see, a lot of the All-Ireland Finals this decade, I think we've had Mayo in them or they've been Dublin Kerry Finals and they are all always huge occasions. So it depends on the people. And like Tyrone supporters in, in the noughties, 
they were very kind of prominent when they came came up for games in Dublin, but it hasn't been the Is case. That a euphemism, <laughs> prominent and how? <laughs> uh, well, you could spot them easily enough, like you know. But um, like they were different. They did bring something different, and they were here with. Yeah, uh, they were new to the thing. Yeah, as well, they were new to the, the thing. They yeah, didn't have yeah. their local pub where they drank in in Dublin in the build up to the game. There's no Tyrone pubs to the same way there are Tipperary or Kerry or Cavan pubs or whatever. So it, they brought a whole new dynamic to the thing. Uh, when they started coming up to All Ireland finals regularly in the noughties, but they just haven't been here since then, really, with any great degree of regularity. So, you know, we, this might be, this might be the birth of something. You know, like it, there was a pretty low key build up for the, the two thousand and two All Ireland final between Kerry and Armagh, for uh, precisely the same reason. Everybody expected that Kerry were going to win that All Ireland, um, and and like our view of it is completely skewed by the the result and the fact that Armagh got over the line that year. So, um. Yeah, that's kind of a long-winded way of saying it's it's pretty low-key. Yeah, we're joining the line by Dick Lurkin now as well. And Dick, I guess you were kind of making the case for Tyrone maybe yesterday and kind of talking about some of the ways they could possibly exploit Dublin. Like deep down, do you really think that they, they could go after them in those ways and we could actually get a game that, you know, in the last few years, the final has kind of rescued the championship in a way, but would you be hopeful of a similar scenario this year? They could. As the boys were saying, there has... There has been little else really to 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 latch on to over the last couple of weeks, bar speculating what Tyrone may or may not do. Like we know what Dublin's going to bring. Like Dublin have been so consistent over the last few years and more so this year. So there's not really much to talk more about how how good they are and their on their bench. That's all been rehashed. It's, it's really how this game will play out is what Tyrone and Mickey Hart bring to the table and it's do, do they do they stick or twist do they go with the, the the style of play that has got them there which is largely defensive counter-attacking hard-running game or does he try and bring something different that might upset Dublin because I think everyone from the outside looking in accepts that that Tyrone game that has developed over the last couple of years won't be good enough. It was sort of proven that it wasn't good enough last year by a long stretch. And yes, the game in Oma was competitive, but <clears throat> by most people's accounts of the game, Dublin were still comfortable and in third gear, arguably. And the fact that they were away from home should have allowed Tyrone to be a lot more competitive anyway. It's not there now. It's in Croke Park. It's in comfortable Dublin surrounding. So if they were to roll up with the same as they did in Oma, you'd think it's easily anywhere from a five to ten point game. So everyone's hoping. That's that's really it's, it's hope that, that, that Mickey Hart can bring something different and will try something to make it an event and the fear is that they won't and it'll be just a very much a predictable uh procession for Dublin and that's the fear for a lot of people. Yeah, Dunica, when people have been kind of talking themselves into believing the Colby Eagle game, they've talked about the Mickey Hart factor and how he's been very successful in finals over the years. Like, Owen Mulligan tried to start that I haven't verified, granted, like, th- he's lost three out of 30 finals, allegedly. Do, do you think that some managers do have, you know, the Midas touch when it comes to finals, or, or, or do you think that's a bit overblown? I think that's a bit overblown, to be honest, because, like, generally the best team wins, and, and like, managers can do an awful lot, but when you're already in that scenario, I'm not sure if there's a knack on the sideline per se that, you know, will get you over the line. Sure, you can have, he's had big saves. He's t- obviously, we saw taking Peter Canavan on and off. We saw the two McMahons going back to Mark's Twin Towers and you can do things like that. But I, I think that might be a bit over, 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 it might be a bit much to say that that's, that's what's going to happen here this evening because he has such a good record. Like so Jim Gavin's record is, I can't remember that Kerry, I suppose, beat him in a national final. Then after that, 
that's probably about it um, since he's been charged with Dublin and I know he won an under 21 as well so um, so yeah no I think that's that's uh, could be clutching a little bit I, I, I've noted the bit of the commentary this week has sort of changed a little bit and, and I've seen a few people sort of making the case for Tyrone but I, I think a lot of that's down to because people aren't interested in hearing or reading about Dublin and how good they are and how Kieran Kilkenny runs the show for them or how Brian Fenton hasn't done or can't be, you know, will dominate the midfield or how Stephen Cluxon's kickouts are important because that's all been done to death. So I think that's all that's left to do is talk about Tyrone and make a case for them. I think that's nearly one of the only semi-interesting talking points of the week and that has sort of contributed to the sort of the what is it, Wednesday afternoon now and there's still no real buzz about it. Yeah, Connor, do you agree that we're always really trying to talk ourselves into it? That we, do, do people really believe it? Uh, no, they probably don't. But like, I think like as regards what game it is on Sunday, like Tyrone are actually the team that will set down the ter- terms of um, engagement because Dublin tend, to, Dublin tend to play the way that the opposition, you know, set up. And this is a point that I've heard like the Jim McGuinness column where he talked about Tyrone going completely defensive and, and and what effect it might have and I just think it's the furthest thing from what Tyrone should do on Sunday um, like the idea that Dublin would be flummoxed by Tyrone setting up with 15 men in their own 45 or their own 65 like Dublin play internal challenge games where they've got 17 men inside the op- inside the opposition 65 so it would make no difference whatsoever so if Tyrone want to play that game where they give Dublin the ball after short kick out and Dublin can control the ball and work it up to the halfway line and then basically click into whatever plays that they run. Dublin are going to kill them. They're going to absolutely kill them on Sunday because it's old hat. Because Dublin come up against that style every single time that they go out and play. And this year, they've scored, uh, I think their average scoring is 29 points per match. It's the highest it's been in Jim Gavin's reign. And I don't think individually this is the best Dublin team that there has been. But they just have that system off to a tee where they can run the ball up to the opposition who have set their defence and then eventually they're just going to break them down and they're going to score and if Tyrone want to win the game if they need to have any chance they're going to have to have a go at Dublin in the way that Mayo did because there seems to be this like we need to get a grip when we're talking about Dublin because there seems to be this you know oh well you can't take Dublin on they're going to blow you away but like how do we know like when like there's only Mayo in the last three years that have actually tried that and since that was a verifiable fact the Dublin first 15 has changed completely like if I told you three years ago that the Dublin half forward line would be Kieran Kilkenny, Brian Fenton or uh, Niall Scully and Brian Howard you wouldn't be sitting here and saying well you know man for man they'll blow any team apart but the, the basic tenet of the Mayo game plan the last couple of years has been that every time a Dublin player touched the ball, every time they turned around, every time they made a run, they were being engaged, that they were being physically put on the back foot. And it meant that they cu- didn't, couldn't have any control over the thing. And unless Tyrone do that on Sunday, they have no chance. I think that's kind of widely been accepted, hasn't it? Like the, the 2014 game has referenced loads, but it's, it's referenced because we have nothing else to talk about in terms of Dublin championship defeats. But it is sort of irrelevant now because Dublin don't play that way anymore. Like Dublin could have blown Donegal away in the first 15-20 minutes probably should have definitely should have really and they still uh, they, they, they left Donegal in the game and, and we know what happened but Dublin don't play that way anymore like you know they will if you if they get 3 or 4 or 5 points up they'll quite happily keep the ball all day whereas that Dublin team I think that 2014 team but would I think have just went for they're, they're being forced in that sort of situation like when they're ahead they play against teams that allow them to have the ball so Dublin cradled possession because if you're ahead and you have the ball like, but if you go man for man with Dublin they'll play a man for man 
Man. And they haven't been tested like that since last year's All-Ireland Final. And given the pace that the Tyrone players have and the athletic fitness and everything else, they have to... Like, like I know they don't naturally do it that way anyway, but I think that they have to have a goal. Like, that would be the biggest shock coming into Sunday, the Tyrone press. Because to a large extent, the Monaghan... Tyrone game in the first half Tyrone played pretty much like that they kept Colum Cavanagh as a plus one at the back they only really had one sweeper and the rest of the outfield players all marked their men now I don't know if they go like that from the start but I definitely think that they need maybe even at the start of the second half or for periods in the game because if it's the same structure as we see all these games where Dublin get the ball at the back and they can control it and work the ball up to the halfway line they will definitely win yeah, Dick, it's interesting, Connor talking about there about the way Tyrone might go about it. Because when you do look at the Dublin team sheet and who Tyrone are going up against, it's almost like they're going up against a very well-refined system of play rather than a star-studded Dublin team of maybe two or three years ago with some of the biggest names in Gaelic football. So does that give them maybe a, a little bit of hope that, you know, players like Niall Scully and Brian Howard, well, they're, they're performing their roles really well. But when the, re- when the real pressure does come on them, will they be able to have that, that you know, the same kind of level of performance that, you know, a Dear McConnelly did in his prime or a Paul Flynn did in his prime? Well, that's, what, and that's the big the big question. Like, really, like, look at this year. Like, to be fair, I've not been disingenuous to, to Dublin's opposition. I'd say over, uh, for a full season, it has never been worse, you know, the, in terms of the standard of the teams that they've played. And, and, and when, I, when I say that, I mean... Like, I don't say Roscommon are a bad team, but but Dublin played Roscommon when they were out of the competition. It was always going to be a turkey shoot. Galway didn't perform. You know, they, they, they were, it wasn't just that Dublin were great, but a lot of the teams that they've played have been really, really poor. So therefore, how do you judge how good this Dublin team? You know, sometimes you can only judge them on on what they play, obviously, but they're not playing and haven't played the same standard of opposition that they would have played in previous years. And, and yes, they might have only had to play one or two of those games up at, at the top level, but at least they had them. At least they had the, a big contest against a Kerry um, or a Donegal or, or, or a Mayo or something. Like they have had nothing to that extent really this year, um, bar possibly that contest in Oma. And you know, like we're all we're all watching sport long enough of different codes to know that there's stranger things that have happened than Tyrone turning up and, and putting a very, very strong performance up against Dublin and bringing it down the home stretch. And when it comes to that, anything can happen. So that's, it is it is, it is anything but beyond the realms of possibility. Like, the, the closest comparison I can think of of, of, the, of of the game in terms of the odds, you know, whether six or seven to one on to win, was their Ulster final against Donegal in 2013. Donegal were six or seven to one going into that. You know there was nobody give us a, a hell's chance of beating them. Um, they were all Ireland champions. They were indefeatable. You know everyone was sort of looking at this as the team that nobody can break down. And on the day, enough things happened to turn the odds against us. And this performance level that Jim McGuinness had just dropped because players were had to, had to play a game that they just hadn't been played or hadn't been asked questions of. And Monaghan, as a team, played way above themselves. Not way above themselves, but they got a, an 8 or 9 out of 10 performance and just went at it. So it can happen. And, you know, people are asking about Tyrone, and I've been watching these Tyrone fellas over the last couple of years. Like People, people have to remember, too, they're very young. And they were very young last year. And probably too young for the challenge that, that they had to play against Dublin. But when you're young... Every year, collectively, you're getting that bit better and stronger and the rate of progression is is much faster because you've got seven or eight lads that are all getting 
stronger and uh, more experienced and all the rest together. It's not just one or two, like they're all very young. So they've, they've made huge strides this year because of that. And you, and you look across up there, like Callum Shane, you know, Brennan Bradley, you can see them, they're physically stronger and they're playing better as a team. So can they bridge the gap from where they were last year to this year? Yeah, conceivably they can. You go back to Donegal or Tyrone 2003, they were all young players. Like they had announced themselves on the stage, at some stage, to say, well, we have arrived, we're a good team, we're a good team of players. Um, so that 2003, 5 and 8 didn't just come overnight. They had to arrive, announce themselves, um, had done it underage level, which this team have. They've won under, they've won minors, won all under 21s. They just haven't announced themselves on the senior stage at this level yet. Who's to say that can't be on Sunday? I say stranger things have happened. I, I still, I still think you need Dublin to come, come back and come well back from what we've seen. Like there's, 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 there's no known form out there. Uh, with everything we know about them at the minute, that Tyrone have enough in them to, um, to. To, to beat Dublin and Dublin haven't shown anything like people are talking about hunger and whatever that means but there's been nothing no obvious weakness they haven't we haven't seen anything from them might suggest well you know what that we could cause a bit of damage there we could cause a bit of damage here and teams have tried they've tried loads of different things to do them they've tried to go after the full back line that hasn't really worked um, so you're going to need a big upturn for the books and against the head in terms of anything anyone has produced so far for, for Tyrone to win this. The one thing nobody has done this year is go man a man with Dublin all over the pitch. It's the riskiest thing to do but it's the high risk, high yield situation. And the one area that people have gotten joy so far is a high ball into the full forward line. They conceded a goal against Wicklow when the James Stafford went in at full forward and James McCarthy went back to Markham. And they obviously conceded one when Damien Comer went in there the last day and he got a fist but it was probably a poor... Uh, decision from Steve, poor judgments from Stephen Cluxon to come out and go for the ball. But Dublin are vulnerable there. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Richie Donnelly spent a bit of time on the edge of the square, you know, a, a little bit like Kieran Kilkenny probably will at the, at the other end and they'll go for some direct ball. But, um, you know, at the risk of repeating myself, I just don't think, uh, like if you don't, you know, if you don't make sure that the Dublin defenders are being put under pressure when they're coming out with possession of the ball uh, and try and at least make them hurry their next pass, you know, so that it's even the next guy can be the fella turned over. Unless you try that, I think over the course of 75, 78 minutes in the pitch and crow park, they're just going to beat you. They're just going to wear you down because nobody has tried that. Um, when you look back to the last season and the final against Mayo, Jim Gavin sprang a surprise by starting on O'Gara. Do you think, do you, do you expect any kind of selection? No, um, I don't really. Um, I suppose the big selection issue would be whether Owen Morton or Mick Fitzsimons starts. Now, it would be, be tough on Mick Fitzsimons not to start. But I think the basic tenet of the Dublin game plan against Tyrone is that they, that they get their matchups right on Tyrone's runners. Like, I mean, the guys that'll hurt you with Tyrone probably aren't Mark Bradley and Lee Brennan or Conor McAlisky. It's probably Peter Hart, uh, Niall Sludden, even Tiernan McCann, um, Matty Donnelly running from deep in possession of the ball. And um, like Owen Merchant did a fantastic job on on Sludden in the game in Oma. And Mick Fitzsimons wouldn't be, like Mick Fitzsimons is a very good sticky kind of corner back. Uh, and I think he'll probably lose out in that selection just because Jim will want a different sort of player. But like if there was one bolter, um, like apparently the form of Paul Flynn in training has been something really, really special. And obviously Karma Coslow has shot the lights out this year when he's been involved. But... Like a lot of managers now, I think Jim places a specific value in players he can trust to deliver something off the bench and, and like they're two serious options uh, if you don't start them. 
And Dick, what about Tyrone? Obviously, the, the, their bench has been very prominent for them this year. And against Monaghan, Mickey Hart opted to start some of those strong performers who he had been keeping in reserve. What way w- would you expect him to go about it this weekend? Yeah, he has, you know, like like young McGeary and Harry Locker, and I think I think he's going to have to have a bit of potency from the start. I think he has to hope that he, he he's still in the he's in the game that it's competitive with that 10, 15 minutes to go. We can't he can't bank on having a sort of a largely conservative defensive team get them to that stage. He, he's going to need to be, you know, everyone's saying off the front foot, but that's that's good been positive. You need finishers, you need scorers in your team that can that can because they say whatever but then Dublin will score. So Dublin are going to run up a score. It's, it's keeping with them, keeping with them on the scoreboard. So, you know, likes of Lee Brennan, uh, Mark Bradley, you know, they like, like Lee Brennan didn't start that well against against Monaghan, but like you didn't talk to anyone in Toronto football like these two lads they can shoot the lights out you know and even Lee Brennan going back to the the league like he was a great scoring form like he missed a lot of the championship this year and probably was a bit a little bit rusty for, for starting the game against Monaghan so he, he might have come on because these guys are scorers and they're goal scorers you know they have that little bit of natural flair and I think you know they're gonna they're gonna need that on the pitch for for fifty plus minutes, and then hopefully the likes of uh, the Harry the Lockerans, the, the McGearys, um, can come come in. Game is competitive, and the thing the thing has opened up a wee bit, um, because as I say, if he if he keeps Lee Brennan, keeps Mark Bradley on the bench for too long, I don't think those other guys have enough scores in them to keep the game tight. enough. the game could be over by the time these boys come in in the last 10-15 minutes, I think like like Tyrone have to be, um, not just toe for toe, but get get to the home straight, and to do that, they're gonna have to score. So they're gonna have to have scores on the pitch. So like it's funny we were in here last time. I mean, myself and Connor were talking off about the All Star selection and with Dublin. With uh, we we've discussed the manner in which they've won their games. They've been so comfortable that it's hard to kind of pick out some like a lot of star performers for them. You know, because a lot of their games they are unchallenged. Yeah, and and I think it's the way they play too that they they, they share the load an awful lot. So like why you'll have you'll see Kieran Kilkenny in uh, on an awful lot of possession. You'll see Brian Fenton getting through an awful lot of work. They always just do. It, the, the best thing about them is their simplicity so there's no sort of main man there's no one that it all has to go through that Kilkenny will always give it to the man in the best, best position they will always be patient like they don't rely on Bernard Brogan anymore to win the ball inside and turn and kick three, four, five, six points a game they don't do that so they share the load really well and I think the other thing if you look at what they do where they shoot from I remember watching um, Paul Mannion's point um, the last day against Galway and it was an absolute beauty from underneath the Hogan stand and it stood out, one, because an excellent point, and two, because you don't see Dublin players shooting from there anymore. And that was an absolutely brilliant score sale between the posts. So, um, yeah, there, it, it will be very hard to pick an all-star team. And, but that's probably their strength, is that they will always shed the load, share the load. They always will have faith in each other to do the right things at the right time. And they know if they give it, they'll get it back as well. So, you know, it's uh, they're going to... Uh, like, I think Tyrone are going to need big performances from a certain four or five or six, whereas Dublin could get seven, seven and a half out of tens from everyone and could still win the game quite comfortably. Connor, as Dunnick referred to there, there's a couple of key Tyrone men who might have to perform. Like, Who would be maybe your one or two guys who need to give 10 out of 10 performances if Tyrone are going to cause an upset? Well, I mean, I think the expectation is now that Kieran Kilkenny would be marked by Porrick Um, You know, you can see what Lee Keegan did last year to Kieran Kilkenny. Um, Kieran Kilkenny's possession stats last year in the All Ireland final were nowhere near what some people were reporting. Somebody said there were it was eight. I think it was just made up off the top of somebody's head. He did get on the ball actually an awful lot, but he was hounded and he, and he was kind of hounded into making 
very quick, very un-Kieran Kilkenny kind of passes back there to try and get out of, I suppose a lot of his passes were to alleviate pressure rather than to actually create something. Um, so that'll be a big one for, for uh, Tyrone because like I disagree like with the idea that Dublin don't have, you know, the guys that like Kieran Kilkenny is the key player for Dublin. He plays as a playmaker he gets on the ball all the time he goes in sometimes at full forward and then when they're running down the clock he's the guy that touches the ball every second and third time he is the playmaker so like if Tyrone win that battle and um, you know it's a tough one to win but if they win you know it, it means that somebody else has to handle the ball that often for Dublin and there's not a Dermot Connolly in the team anymore Paul Flynn probably won't start um, the other interesting one I think and it's hard to say that it's a direct match but like I wouldn't be surprised if um, Tiernan McCann positions himself on the same wing as Jack McCaffrey and he picked him up when he crosses the halfway line because as quick as they are, there's nobody with the pace of Jack McCaffrey on the Tyrone team and McCann is the one that comes closest. Um, and, you know, in, in the assumption that Tyrone are going to get a lot of bodies behind the ball and they're going to try and clog up space, McCaffrey is still the fella that can cause panic because, you know, as tight as you can keep your defenders together in Crow Park, McCaffrey can still get through. And even if it's only a half a break and just to suck in one extra defender, he can open up chances for other players. So I suppose they would be two two huge things. But like the role of Collie Kavanagh as well is going to be immense for, for Tyrone because he catches kickouts. Um, but his role at the edge of the square, just stopping goal chances coming through, um, like it's it's a very undervalued role, but it's a very important one for Tyrone because if Dublin get an early goal, like we saw in the semi final last year, it, it, you know it can be a long day. Dunica, just as Connor brings up Jack McCaffrey, there, like it's crazy to think that almost a year ago he did his knee cruciate ligament in the All Ireland final, and now he looks to be back as good as he ever was. It's been a remarkable transfer kind of comeback, hasn't it? Yeah, we were talking to him recently. Actually, he was going through it about he was doing play, playing a league match with Clontarf and. He was the umpire for the first half and he went out and played the second half and as he said himself, he expected it all to come back to him like that and it didn't and afterwards he said he had a little bit, sort of a little bit shook about whether he'd ever get back to where he was but clearly now he's um, he's back to something approaching his best. I, I'd love to see his stats because um, his, um, if anything to the naked eye, he looks faster than he actually was. He actually, <laughs> somehow he looks faster but his his speed is, it's like, it's almost cartoon from a stand and start like it's just, you know, the puff of smoke and he's gone. Um, but it's an amazing recovery, I suppose, um, testament to him and, and whoever is behind the scenes there in, in Dublin looking after this stuff because he hasn't, he hasn't missed a beat really since, what was it, the sixth minute or the eighth minute of the All-Ireland final last year. And Dick, I guess we've tried to kind of make a case for Tyrone. We've talked about the possibilities this, this Sunday, but ultimately, how do you see it going? Ah, oh, same as last year. I thought going like a lot of people. I, you know, probably a bit of groundhog day talking up Tyrone and, and all the possibilities, and it's, we're, we're at the same again. I, th I think. Like a lot of things, you'll always learn more in defeat, and I think there's no, there's no doubt about it. Biggie Hard will have learned a lot from last year, and even in the Omi game. And for him, for a man of his legacy and 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 smarts, I just cannot see that he could turn up with the same again, and uh, you know expect a different outcome. He he knows, and you've you've heard a lot of sound bites around that between between last year and now that that there and there were signs in the Monaghan game that they're going to turn out more offensive. So I, I think they're going to bring more. Um, I think they're going to need something's going to need to, as, as Donnie said, we're going to need to something's going to need to happen to bring Dublin back. A good Tyrone performance is not going to be good enough for them to win 
Now, as I say, they're going to have to bring aggression. Maybe a Dublin player gets sent off or injured, put, put Stephen Cluxon under pressure, turnovers, try and score goals. Again, you know, Neville Morgan's going to have to have a, a, a 9 out of 10 game because you know, he can't be conceding two or three goals against Dublin. So all these things have to happen um, for, for, for Throne to upset the odds. The problem is they all have to happen. I think you know they they just have to have a, a, a you know a, a five star game and, and hope that they can bring Dublin back, bring the Neil Scullys, bring the the Fentons, bring the uh, the Howards and, and Young Merchant into a place that they've probably never been. You know, a really competitive um, scenario against the team. You know that'll bring you know you know. A, something different this year because they just haven't been there yet and, and, and hope that when it comes down to the home straight that the, the cards fall their way again I'm, I'm saying it as a, a football fan you talked about the start of the game the start of the programme the lack of interest the reality is for neutrals they don't want to see either team win and let's be honest you know, they're, they're tired they're tired no that's it I'm, I'm talking to people a lot of people aren't going to the game they're not there's no big clamour for tickets you know I, you know, usually there's a clamour because you know nobody really wants to see Dublin win the game and the reality is Tyrone haven't endeared themselves to, to many from the outside over the last few years they don't care but that's the that reality might be more your neck of the woods Dick than most people <laughs> it is but it is across the board but yeah there's a bit of that but, but even I'm walking up in Derry at the minute and even you talk to Tyrone people the reality is up in Tyrone lads a lot of people or begrudgingly still supporting Mickey Hart's throne. It's taken an awful long time for the flags and button to come out. Um, I can tell you that. I'm driving up and down through the county this last two or three weeks. They are now there supporting them. But Even now that they've got to the final, they're still a bit begrudging. Yeah, here, listen, I, I, the, the, the day after the Monaghan game, I was driving out of Monaghan and I had to drive to Derry through Tyrone and I was, needless to say, I wasn't in the best of form and coming out of Monaghan and Emmy Vale and through the place was just red and every every ditch and tree there was a red and white, or sorry, a blue and white flag and button hanging out of it. Across the border, I have to tell you, there wasn't a thing. Nothing. The only flag on the main street was a Union Jack from, 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 from the... <laughs> And that's the truth. No, it's taken them a while. I think they don't purposely put up flags and stuff because of, 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 of obvious reasons too early. But still, leaving around houses and football grounds, it was a long time coming up. Now, this week, plenty of flags up, but it certainly wasn't up right for the journey up until semi-finals. You know, and that's that's just that's the climate and throne at the minute. Um, so, you know, they're they're behind their county, but not anywhere near it was back in the, in the noughties. And uh, so it's... As a football man, you sort of want Tyrone to win. You know, as a modern man, I hope they're beaten by a pint of man at the same time. <laughs> but listen, I, I think I think I think you're going to see something different. I think you have to see something different um, because if anything, the Tyrone and, and the people who want to see Tyrone uh, at least die with their boots on. Great stuff, Dick. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, lad. And Connor, even though Mayo, Mayo aren't involved in the All Ireland final this year, they still have kind of dominated this yeah. week with the news of Stephen Rochford's obviously stepped down. Like every year, there seems to be a bit of drama there. Well, what have you made of it? Um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's really hard to know what to make of it because inevitably, with these things, um, you know, with managerial appointments that are kind of scuppered at the last minute, there's something happening that you're not not being made fully aware of. Um, so I don't know. And it's funny, like the, the the Mayo manager's job is kind of a funny one. Like it's hard to gauge how good a manager Stephen Rochford is because when we think of it's 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 almost like the opposite of Tyrone. When we think of Mayo, the last thing we think of is their manager. Like their 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 results are consistent with the latter days of James Horan's reign. They're con consistent with the year that uh, Holmes and Canelli had there as well. So, um, it, it is really hard to gauge. Now they obviously had a poor year this year, but you know a lot of people saw that coming when they when they didn't win in Connacht. 
um, for the third year running. And, you know, it was getting to the stage where they were running out of a small bit of road. Um, and, like, they came up against the perfect storm, like a Kildare team who had kind of taken on the, who had raged against the machine <laughs> and taken on Crow Park and everything else. So so it happens. Um, so, you know, I suppose without getting any... Um, any comment from the players or the county board officials uh, other than the kind of mealy-mouthed statement that they came out with wishing them well. It's hard to know exactly what's behind it because once his, once, his, once his selectors went, I think he was placed in a very vulnerable position. But it's very clear now from the statement that Rochford himself released that he just got a sense um, that there were forces kind of working against them. But um, I'd love to know what specifically they are because it's impossible to tell from here. Yeah, but again, even leaving maybe the, the circumstances aside for a second, like, do you think that it is right for the team to get a new a new voice in there? Do you think that's the, the best way for them to go forward? Well, I would have thought that maybe more important than a new voice was maybe a, a shift in onus and emphasis within the team as to who has to carry the can. Um, you know, we've talked about it loads of times, an awful lot of fellas... Um, who have done an awful lot of heavy lifting for Mayo over the last five, six, seven years, and and have had heartbreaking years as well, which carries its own, gives you an, its own sense of mileage, and I'm sure fatigue and heaviness in the legs. So I would have thought that that was probably more required than maybe a change in Stephen Rashford. Like, um, it, it was funny we did an interview with uh, Chris Barrett last week at the Croke Seven launch, and um, he was asked about you know the importance of Stephen staying on because that's that was the status quo as it was at the time and his sort of answer was a little bit in hindsight it was it, it came across as if there was there was something in it he just said he wasn't going to go too much into it at the moment because I'm not sure if it's all rubber stamped and as far as everyone else was concerned at the time it was done, it, it was done and that there was no what was his body language like um well he was wearing a heavily branded t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> um no but like you know and he, he's he's from the few times I've interviewed him he's a very straight talker he's you know he's one, he's one of the intercounty fellas who's very mature and and sort of like they say what they, they say it is they, they call it as they see it and uh, that was that was a pointed sort of answer at the time so maybe there was more to it at the time than we knew but look um uh they're 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 on the look for a new manager and i was, I was on about it during the week to somebody like it's all right changing your manager but you have to make sure who you're getting in as a replacement that's going to be difficult like there's no obvious standout candidate is uh, there well except if you go back to James Horner yeah. and James, and you know what they say never go back so James going back into exactly the same more or less but the same I, I always thought that I, I thought that when James Horner went um, after the Kerry game in, in Limerick I always, you just I don't know did he actually say it or whatever but I always had the feeling that he would be one of those managers who would come back that he just needed a bit of separation from the thing um, maybe for the is there enough separation there but maybe that not that room he left yeah. in Limerick in, yeah, in 14 was it yeah, and it's very similar yeah. it's more or less mm. broadly broadly same group of players who are all a little bit older most of them uh, older in not in the sense of having more experience and being in a better position to win it so look you could you could lose some big players out of that dressing room this winter too yeah, but you still have to go for the best candidate well, know, and the best available candidate at that and um, I, I, I can't even fathom somebody who would be more appropriate for than James Horan so like it's all well and good not going back but who like who do you go forward to it's not yeah that, but like, that, that's my point Jim that was my point well, Jimmy, do, Jim, no, if Jim McGuinness was available, is that complete another like pie right. in the sky stuff that's been suggested, or is there any? Is there? Do you think is there any kind of semblance of this could actually happen? No, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some part of Jim McGuinness's psyche that kind of thought, well, do you know what? Wouldn't it be great to be the fella who actually got these lads? Like you'd be part. Like I saw him quoted before and saying that the team that he always reckoned 
that he would have liked to have managed outside of Donegal was Cork because he thought that they were the team that had a huge amount of the raw materials but could never really bring it together. Probably change his mind now. Yeah, but um, would he do Mayo? I don't really, I, like, I mean, I don't think he would, but if I if, if there was a chance of appointing him, I'd do it just well, to see. In his last interview, he very much left everyone under the impression that, listen, I'm going after the soccer thing at the minute. I'm hoping at that stage he had planned to be this is when he hopped the ball about Dublin playing the two home games in Crow Park and sort of opened up that can of worms and then left it for everyone else to sort it out. Um, but he very much left everyone under the impression that he was going to be, uh, that he was hoping to be in a soccer role in the in the coming weeks. Now that hasn't panned out for him, but uh, I still would imagine that's his plan. Like he's putting an awful lot of time and effort into that between going to Celtics, being spending some time in China. Um, so I can't imagine he'd just leave. I would imagine part of him has to try and maybe shed his GA background for a while if he's to be taken seriously in 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 the soccer environment. So that would have been his plan at the time anyway. I'm not sure if it's going It'd to change a major that radically. Step, though, even like culturally, like Mayo are just one of those counties that tend to consider themselves have, as having enough homegrown candidates to to appoint it. But it depends on like the people who make these decisions, you know. Well, it's funny. There's a radio panel off the ball this Thursday. Jim McGuinness, James Horn, Aidan O'Shea are all on it. So right. they, they can, I don't know, conduct interviews for the job on live on air. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a very key appointment because um, it does look like as if the Mayo dressing room is starting to change shape maybe a small bit, that there might be a couple of players that are about to kind of move on, even if it's only to the bench um, from that very hardened group that had played in so many All-Ireland finals. So, like, that's going to take a bit of managing too because, you know, like, one of the symptoms of Mayo um, having such strong leaders over the past five, six years is that they haven't been as quick to bring players through as they probably should have been. Um, and that can happen too when there's a when there's a kind of a, a cabal of players that are... are, are kind of dominant dressing room figures like it tends to happen pretty organically but um, when when there is like you look at a fellow like Killian O'Connor like the captain of the team and he looks like he wears the weight of of um, you know the end game on his shoulders you know getting Mayo over the line and winning All-Ireland and you just wonder if a manager came in and broke it all down and went back to the start and said look the only thing you should be worried about is the next training session the next challenge match your next weight session or whatever would they get even more out of those players I just don't think I don't think like they're not going to fall off the, the edge of a cliff and just disappear as a football force. I think there's too much work, too much conditioning. They have too many good footballers in there to do that. And I think we've seen this summer that there is sort of a dirt of competitive teams out there when it comes to Dublin at the very top and maybe the handful of the Jason pack. I still think if they got things, if like they carried a lot of injuries into the year, missed a lot of key players for key key parts of the season, um, I think if they got everyone back, that's still... Good to still be pretty close, so it, it is an attractive job for for somebody. Well, well this is the thing, like we we've kind of a, in a bit of a depression at the start of the show, like just talking about this this weekend's final and how it doesn't seem much of a contest. But the two biggest challengers to Dublin probably next year are looking for new managers. So if they get good appointments in, we could have a possibly a much more competitive championship next year. Um, Slightly more competitive. Yeah, well, like Kerry are obviously loaded with potential, but that's uh, that still it remains potential and only potential, and they probably have to either find a couple of different players or bring on the players they have or find a system to tighten themselves up that's probably job number one for them because there's I think forward forward talent is obviously there um, and then yeah you're Mayo, Mayo possibly in the shake up as well and uh, and Tyrone should improve naturally like there's not going to be a whole lot of those 
um, fellas who are going to move on anytime soon. Hard to know though too, like we're looking at Toronto in an all in a final, but like they lost to the Manon and Healy Park in the first round of Ulster, they nearly didn't get out of Navin alive, you know, so like, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, a long way yeah. back too, you know, it's not always the case that, you know, you, you get yeah, I still point. think if you're talking about Division 1 counties like Toronto are in that conversation, Kerry are going to be in it and Mayo are going to be in it, I think that's... Yeah, I still think it's been a very lacklustre championship, not necessarily because of the level of competition, but because of the predominant style of play, like we've kind of, we've reached this very neutral kind of style of football that most managers think is the most efficient way of being um, of being competitive and like when two teams play against each other it's very very dull uh, and like people can say I know you have these coaches coming on saying the standard of football has never been higher in terms of the number of scores and people bring out stats and that's true and the level of skill has never been higher but like at least in the bad games in the 80s and 90s there was the potential for excitement you know if you have a guy one on one at the edge of the yeah. square and the ball goes in something can happen there that makes the it's game very risk averse at the minute whereas now yeah. it's very risk averse well, you know that the game is a kind of an overarching problem when in the build up to the biggest game of the year there's loads of articles about rule changes like dominating the weak build up like yeah, yeah, but I think that's that's kind of a GA thing as well. Like you know, we're we're not happy unless we're rooting with it in some way or another. Like you know, um, yeah, but it's usually structures rather than specifically like let's just change. The ah, they were talking about Martin Brown. He will tell you if you get him going on and put on. <laughs> I recommend you don't. But he'd tell you about that they were talking about banning or limiting the hand pass back in the seventies and eighties when Kerry were beating all around them. So you know, and uh, the hand pass goal was another thing that got rid of that. Obviously, you know, just I I I, I wouldn't overreact on the basis of one bad season and everyone then the other thing to do is to compare it to Hurland which is absolutely utterly pointless they're ran by the same organisation and after that the similarities pretty much stopped there um, so saying that she's, football was terrible and the Hurland was great that's fine but it's absolutely pointless Like there's no relevance to each other whatsoever and just to finish up lads we'll get predictions Connor. Yeah, I can't. I can't really see Toronto. Like, I can only see Dublin winning it. Um, I just think that they have too much experience at this level. I think they're too well managed. I think, despite what people think, um, Dublin are actually quite tactically versatile. It's just we haven't seen that versatility because it hasn't been forced out of them by any team playing in a different way against them. So, you know, I, I think just whatever Tyrone throw at Dublin this weekend, even if they get say an early bounce off a goal or a Dublin player going off or whatever it might be that turns these small matches I just just still think Dublin have it in them to win Yeah broadly similar um, I don't think that Tyrone will get caught like they did last year for the early goal I actually watched the first five or six minutes back there recently uh, during the, early on the week and um, Tyrone were doing okay they would first couple of turnovers they engineered a uh, good score good scoring opportunities to that point and then the goal uh, Callum got the goal and just it was actually from a sloppy hand pass I think from, from Niall Sludden yeah. wasn't it it's the only time Dublin kicked the ball into their forwards and um, the uh, and that was it it just fell apart from there I don't think that will happen this year um, and I think it'll be tight like if you go back to half time in the, in the the Galway game like Dublin were two points up they'd lost Keane O'Sullivan and people are there like thinking well do you know what they've, if they go after this they've half a squeak and Dublin just sort of didn't you couldn't say they blitzed off into the sunset but they just slowly extended and kicked the next one kicked the next one and as I was saying earlier did all the simple things right worked the ball into the best position took the scores when they arise didn't try to force anything so I think it'll be similar I think uh, Tyrone will be in the game after 45, maybe 50 minutes, just about hanging on. That then I think Dublin might go on and maybe take it by five or six. Don't look at Connor. Thanks very much. Thanks, Will. That's all we have time for in the throwing this week. We'll be back next Monday for a review of the All Ireland Football Final. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next Monday, thank you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>